Mr. Mark Selby, good morning. How are you, sir? Mr. Matthew Gordon, doing very well. I'm glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Hey, look, we're going to rip through this because I think you've got places to be. And uh, we better start with price. What's happening in the in the market at the moment? So again, another week where we're trading in our twenty to twenty-two thousand dollar range. This time, a little lower. Uh, you know, just about twenty thousand five hundred. But uh, again, holding in very well. This break that I would show up really hasn't showed up materially. So, you know, I think that's a good sign. And LME inventories uh, remain multi-year lows. You know, I think that what the market's waiting for is some clear direction one way or the other. You know, again, despite all this bullish, sorry, bearish news in the market, you know, I think as we talked about uh, a little bit on last week's show, it, it, we're seeing real strength in, in stainless stainless markets in China. You know, production is up significantly year over year. We're seeing both NPI prices and stainless prices moving high, higher, which which again, I would not, I, I expected that later this year, but not seeing now. Um, and so, you know, again, I think that, you know, bodes well for, you know, you know overall uh, stainless demand where we're seeing that in, in China. Uh, on, the, on the battery markets, again, sulfate's still treading water a little bit. So I don't think, you know, until we see that really rebound, I don't think you're going to see anything move much higher. But again, as, you know, as EV sales, you know, continue to re, re-accelerate through the rest of this year, I think, um, you know, I think you'll, you, you know, we'll start to see some action in that market as well. So, you know, still holding out for a end of year rally, November, December, in terms of nickel prices moving higher from, from current levels. Right. And obviously we talked in the past about, um, nickel, copper and the whole kind of e- 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 EV group of metals, um, you know, pretty much following each other. I mean, I think maybe lithium had different ideas for a bit. Um, how do we read what's going on in, in China in terms of people are concerned about a reset, they're concerned about the economy there, they're concerned about, you know, some of the companies that previously were getting a little bit of assistance from the Chinese government. How does that affect the nickel market? Yeah, I, I think I think the key thing here is is you know, nickel has a one has a broad range of uses. Two, um, you know, stainless steel and nickel have always been higher priced materials. And so as you move up the value add curve. You, you end up using more nickel and more stainless. So so I think what we're seeing here and in some of the strength that we're seeing, you know, in the Chinese market is the fact that this move up the value added curve is is overtaking sort of the broader issues, you know, in the in the uh, uh, in the Chinese economy. So I, I think uh, it again, it just sort of points to, um, you know, the, the, the real sort of underlying strength in, in stainless demand going forward. And as we've talked about on many shows, you know, I think that's where we, we've seen five or 6% growth historically. Most analysts going forward always use three to 4% and we end up at five to 6%. And I think that, you know, that, that these, this kind of information really underpins that, you know, getting to five to 6%. Um, and, uh, you know, again, right now, globally, with Indonesia industrializing, you know, again, we're starting to see India, Indonesia, and the rest of Southeast Asia sort of, you know, picking up, um, you know, some of that that growth that was originally occurring in China before. So, uh, yeah, concerned about, you know, some concern about China, but I don't think it really disrupts the nickel picture, you know, over the next three to five years here. Okay, okay. Um, well, I guess you're off to Korea in, in a little bit as well. You can tell us a little bit about in how they feel about things that I'm um, Yep. When you get sure. back. When I get back. Yep. When you get back. Can, absolutely. So let, let, let's, 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 well, absolutely. So, but let's, let's go local. Um, let's, let's talk about, um, Canadian nickel, um, SPC nickel. We've much talked about by us, but what's happening yeah. there? 
Yeah. So August, obviously, things quieting down in news front as as you know investors are, are fairly quiet. But again, it's good to see SBC Nickel. We've talked with them, talked about them before. Again, relatively low market cap, but you know I think they did a great job consolidating. You know, with what was effectively two halves of a deposit that was owned by Valet. Um, they now, you know, there's a structure that they have 100% of it with Valet getting, you know, a, a chunk of the economics. But uh, again, great intersection. You know, they put out a bunch of, of drilling there. Um, you know, the, the best being 18 meters at 1.27 nickel, 0.47 copper within a, you know, 50 meters, uh, you know, at low grades. Those are all very mineable widths. Um, and so, you know, we'll, we'll see how that deposit develops but again good to see it and they're run by a very good group of explorationists so you know looking forward to see more results come out there for sure well and it seems to be uh, not 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 to be left out of the the picture obviously magnum mining um again another company we've talked about a lot recently what have what have they been doing yeah so so magna we talked about the pea you know that they put out last last week and you know one of the things to keep an eye on is you know, Magna and uh, SBC Nickel aren't too far away from each other on the basin, so you know there's there'll be some sort of consolidation space in the in the North America in the Sudbury Basin between some of these properties. So you know we'll see what happens in, in that front. So you know again as SBC Nickel you know continues to advance, wouldn't be surprised to see you know somebody kind of put their finger on them at one point in time. So. Well, when it, when it comes back to something we, again, we've talked lots of things we've talked about before. Mark, it's surprising after three years um, <laughs> how we repeat ourselves, but it, it, it's worthy of repeating. Which is, which is, scale is going to be really important um, for some for industry, for um, funders, etc., to be able to kind of see you know long life of mine um, and be able to kind of you know I, I, I guess amortize that capital expenditure that's going to be needed over as long a period as possible. Canada Nickel, you've made an announcement um, about the Man Northwest um, discovery uh, recently. So, we, well, tell us about that because I've got a few questions I want to ask you about. For sure. So, uh, you know, we announced this at the end of last week. Uh, you know, we're stepping out around our property package. And again, you know, we've got Crawford and then we have 20 other targets uh, in the region. You know, Man Northwest, we're doing very wide space drilling just to delineate sort of what the potential, you know, whether the potential really is there. And again, very happy, you know, two and a half kilometer strike length uh, of, of, of mineralization, uh, you know, that we've, we've outlined, we had hit the right kind of uh, uh, minerals, the right kind of, uh, and we're very happy with the grades. That was mostly prototype, which is of the dunite and prototype that we have. The prototype is the lower grade material, but it was well mineralized and good, decent grade for, for that type of, of um, uh, that, that type of mineral. The good thing is, is, you know, again, in terms of scale, uh, you know, within that 20 plus targets we have, 11 of them are larger than Crawford. So, uh, you know, Man Northwest is more than three times uh, the scale of Crawford. Sure. So, you know, when we talk about putting together an entire Timmins Nickel District, you know, with the potential to be bigger than Sunbury, you know, it, it's, it's, it's targets like this that, you know, really can have the potential to, you know, substantially add to the resource, you know, that we've got there. So again, very exciting results. You know, we've, we've, we've done a <laughs> half a dozen other words, Reed, Sothman, Deloro, Bannockburn, Midlothian, you know, as we go through, we've got nearly a hundred percent hit rate on these targets. Right. Okay. And becoming, coming back to that, um, scale component here, which, and again, like something, we get a lot of inbound about what, what you're doing there. And I, I know obviously there's a feasibility study coming up, um, as well for you guys, which people are eagerly looking forward to, but 
the scale has been a big part of this message from you in terms of the way that industry views these sorts of discoveries and how they what, what attracts them, right? So you've got Crawford, which when we when over time we've talked about it, we recognise it's a, you know t- top five uh, scale project in the world. But you you keep finding more. You 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 want you want to talk about the sort of district wide potential here. Does that give you optionality in terms of financing? In terms, it gives you optionality in terms of who you talk to and how you kind of separate out all of these assets because presumably they can stand upright on their own each one of them you don't need to develop all of them together right oh no for sure so that's that's the piece here you know the the, having basically you know having 20 chips in the game where most companies only have one or maybe two chips gives us a huge amount of flexibility so you know when we get to the point here where the market fully recognized that these kind of deposits are going to be the next generation uh, of, of nickel supply uh, you know, that the market needs, you know, we all of a sudden are sitting there with, with, with 20 chips. And so, you know, a, you know, the, the only thing majors, major mining companies like more than a, one big mining project is an entire new big mining district. So we've got that. And then in terms of flexibility, in terms of, you know, do we do something with Crawford separately? You know, can we do something, you know, with, with one of the properties, if people are going to be interested in that, can we do something with a group of the, the prop properties that are a natural, you know, natural uh, collection there? So, you know, there's there's a there's a whole wide range of, of different ways that we can play it, and again, it's all about you know um, you know creating financing, creating value for uh, you know creating value for shareholders in a way that's the least dilutive possible for them. So you know having having this portfolio is is going to be a tremendous benefit. And again, we're you know we're only getting to the point now once the feasibility study comes out next month, you know that we'll be able to really demonstrate what the you know the, what the potential of, of this district is going to look like. Right. Okay. And obviously, having worked in um, eight holes at the Man Northwest um, prop- property, um, presumably now you've got to kind of gauge the market reaction to the feasibility study coming out on Crawford. You've got to gauge how you allocate capital and the return on that capital you invest across these various properties. Because I guess I guess I would suggest that the market's looking to you to kind of get something over the line before you go spreading all of all of these dollars across what may be eventually one of one of the biggest uh, nickel districts in the world so ha- what are the what are the discussions conversations um and quite frankly you know key variables that you're looking at yeah no for sure so you know the key, key thing as again someone who's most of my net worth is is involved in the equity of this company you know it's really about um you know, if we really haven't got full value for the first 2 billion tons of resource that we've identified, why spend a lot of dollars, you know, um, drilling off that next billion tons or 10 billion tons of resource that's there. So, you know, the key thing for us right now is, is, is really just doing some very wide space drilling, you know, confirming that it's not just a geophysical target that, you know, the kind of mineralization and kind of nickel grades are there. Uh, and, and again, we've been clear to the market that we're doing this because if you get into a hostile takeover situation, you know, if you look at valuations, if you're a good project, you tend to go up for 0.8 to one times your project NAV. If you're a good project with a lot of expiration upside, you end up going up for 1.2 to 1.5 times your NPV. So, you know, that's that's what this program's all about. You know, and until we see, you know, a significant re-rate in, in, the, in the value of Crawford, we're really not going to spend too many dollars at this point. Um, um, hitting that that other you know anything other than this white space drilling that we've been doing so far right okay okay and um like and obviously i mentioned the fact that feasibility studies um c- c- coming up um incorporating carbon capture and storage etc so all good news 
Not all economic studies are well received, though, Mark. I think we've seen that in the market this week. Uh, poor Chalice Mining. What happened? Yes. So um, I'm going to be a little bit harsh. I'm, again, generally not try to be too critical. Um, as I said, we need all the nickel, and this is now turning more into a palladium deposit than a nickel deposit. So, um, and and they have a they had a market cap prior to the announcement of about 1.8 billion uh, Aussie, which is about the sum total of the rest of the nickel developer sector in total. So, um, you know the, the they've come off about 30 percent since their announcement uh, earlier this week. Um, you know the PEA had what I would call offensive uh, assumptions, not just aggressive, but offensive. Um, you know, again, we pick up the news release, the headline numbers all look great, but then you dig into it a little bit and you realize, oh man, you know, there's some pretty aggressive assumptions in there. Um, you know, I just want to take- You don't, it's like, let me want to be clear before, for people to form an opinion about this. You mean offensive as in, uh, you don't mean that as in, let's go, go on the attack. You mean that as in it is a bit ludicrous, some of the assumptions. Yes. Yes. 100%. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay, so not helping the entire yes. mining industry convince investors that we're oh, yeah. a rational group of people who they should sure that. trust with large sums of their capital to do things with. So, um, so okay, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. But it's no worth clarifying. Yeah, and and the key thing I just want to highlight: we've talked again talked about this before. You know, with PEAs, you know, but I want to make sure that people doing this are very clear on this point. A PEA is only as good as the engineering firms that are signing off on the report. You know, there are dozens of engineer quote engineering companies that actually ever, never, re rarely, if ever, built any of these things. What they do are studies. And guess what? How do you do more studies? You know, make sure that those studies are pretty good for the mining companies with whom you're writing the studies for. So that way they'll choose you again. Um, you know, because I don't know how many times when we started Crawford, when we put the PEA out, my past life at Dumont, you know, I, you know, hear from investors, oh, well, I only like something that has a, you know, a mid twenties, you know, percent IRR. And, you know, again, a lot of those kind of results come out from, you know, bad operating assumptions, bad capital cost assumptions, uh, you know, again, a bunch of just nonsense, you know, underneath it. You know, the reality is, is if you're getting a mid twenties percent IRR on a project, it's probably precious metals. It's probably small scale and high grade, and it's most likely in a high risk jurisdiction where the government might take that twenty percent IRR. So, if if they, if you don't own it anymore, the IRR on that project is zero. So, you know, if you're looking at base metals, large scale in a place where the people won't take your asset, you know, with a few exceptions, you're generally, uh, you know, looking at a mid teens IRR. Again, having worked at major mining companies and looked at lots of big projects in my past, you know, that's, that's, that's the real market. So you should almost, if you end up with a project with a mid twenties percent IR, you should, you know, have some warning signs because there's a whole pile of assumptions that go. And we talked about this a bit on last week's jokes. Some people were pushing on some of the assumptions we had in our PEA. Um, you know, the, the reason too, that I like to, to, to look at chalices is the Gonneville, which is their big deposit was discovered right around the same time as Crawford. So it's a very useful benchmark in terms of how we're doing, um, versus, you know, a, a, another project. Now they're about, about a scale now that is the biggest one that they're looking at in their P is about one third less than Crawford and their mine life is half of what we have. You're likely going to have, uh, with the resource we have, uh, you know, in the feasibility study. So first off, you know, they're publishing a PEA 
uh, which we did in May 2021, a month earlier, then we'll have our full feasibility study out. They won't get to their full feasibility study until two and a half years from now. So again, when I've talked about, you know, the fact that we've gone from fifth drill hole to feasibility study in four years, you know, they're, they're doing the same thing, you know, in a very comparable place in six and a half years. So 60% larger. Um, but, you know, they, the key thing here with these PEAs is there's a whole pile of assumptions that are in there. And, you know, when the price deck, right, this is the most visible set of assumptions that people can see and look at and have lots of public benchmarks to see whether they're real or not. The palladium price was $2,000 an ounce. Today's price is $1,200. Remember, palladium's main use is catalytic converters, which are you know slowing down as, as electric vehicles come on. The nickel price was $24,000 a ton. You know, we'll be looking at something, you know, 10 to 15% lower than that, closer to where we are in, in today's market. Copper price was $11,000 a ton. Copper price has never been this high, right? And so, you know, they had a wonderful NPV and IRR headline numbers, but, you know, I think I haven't seen any analyst reports yet, but yeah, I think looking at their sensitivities, you get to a point where the NPV for the project at today's prices might be close to negative uh, you know, or, or several hundred million dollars. And again, they still have a $1.3 billion market cap. The other thing that's pretty interesting, CapEx. So, you know, again, as, as I've said, you know, we, our, our feasibility study CapEx is going to be about 50% higher uh, than the 1.2 billion uh, that we had in the PEA. So 1.8 to 1.9 billion US. Chalice, in their CapEx number, they're getting uh, a, a one-third bigger mine mill operation in their upside larger scale case, a leach plant, a hydromine plant for 10% less CapEx than we're spending for our first phase um, project, you know, and this isn't a place that's, that's a, you know, higher cost jurisdiction um, in Western Australia than, than we, we are in Ontario. So again, some of those very simple things imply, you know, a bunch of aggressiveness. And so who knows what else is, is, is behind there. So, so again, very, very disappointing um, you know, in, in terms of, of what's come out and again, not helping the industry, sell the industry to investors. So. No, because huge value destroyed for re retail investors yet again. I, I think it's even worse than 30% today. Just, just looking at it, uh, heading towards 40% um, value destruction. But how does a company get out of this? Because clearly they've laid out their wares, they've laid out the price stack. Everyone can sort of see that they are being presumptive about future price, and that's a that's a strategy. I've I've seen other CEOs, um, you know, make the decision on or always make the decision on. But it it feels like there's a it, there's got to be more to it than just hoping and waiting for the price to change in their favor. Metal supercycle, we agree, the prices should move forward. It, or, or, but to make those assumptions at this point, do do you think commission? How, how do you view that? I mean, how do you view that? So I've, I, I, oh, I, I, I could, just uh, like get quite know, tough here, but I'll, I'll let you. Yeah, do the no, talk. no. I, I, I think you know. I, I think they'll see their. You know, I mean, it's amazing what, what prices will hold up for a while, but I, I think you'll see institutional guys, you know, exit the story, and then as as the price comes down, you know, they'll either going to have to come back with a new PEA that sort of sort of resets, resets expectations in a way. But I, I think given what they've done here, the chances of that are small. I, you know, I think it'll be, you know, the, the next owner of this asset will come out with a, uh, 
you know, after the share price has fallen down enough that the next owner of this asset will come back with a, you know, reasonable uh, study that's there. You know, again, they, they had such a, I mean, a good kudos to them to get the market cap to where they were, you know, but they were, I think, trying to backfill, you know, the market, the market cap, you know, with the, uh, um, you know, with, 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 with these PEA numbers. So. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Not good. Not, not good. Because again, when, when you, when, you know, when I constantly say to people, right, um, you know, you need to identify companies with kind of strong fundamentals in terms of their ability, in terms of revenue and earnings growth and profit margins and debt profiles and cash generative cost, you know, potential and returns on that capital invested, which is the, you know, should be the ultimate ar arbiter of all of this. It, it's a bit harder when companies are going to go to that development phase as they are now, but it's also says to me, I'm not quite sure why the prices run as much as they do until those things get demonstrated in some kind of economic study. So here we go. Yet yet again, it's not the first, won't be the last, um, but there we go. No, Mark, conscious that you've got a hard stop. You've got to get going uh, and I'll let you do that. And unless you want to kind of finish off with anything that we should perhaps uh, leave us thought for the day. Yeah. No, no, it would be, uh, be good to talk in, in a week or so after I'm back uh, from Korea and I'm talking with a lot of the key members in the battery supply chain and uh, we're making good progress on multiple fronts there. So be a good sense of what's happening in the market there. And so looking forward to the next chat.